Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. So I have this love-hate relationship with running. You know, I, I hate it while I'm doing it. I mean, honestly, I, I literally up to the point where I start the run and during the run, I'm wondering why am I doing this to myself? But then I finish it and I love it because it feels great. So I say all that to set up today's interview because I'm, I first met, I don't know if that's even the right word, but heard, maybe it's better, our interviewee today while I was running my neighborhood, which I, I realized a couple things in that run. One, if we move, we need to move somewhere flatter because it is miserable to run around this house. But two, that this lady that I was listening to on this leadership podcast, I had to have her on this podcast. I'm listening to her. It's this leadership one. I don't even really know why I picked it to listen to that day, but I'm on like the, my favorite portion of the run, which is, you know, the downhill portion. And all of a sudden, this lady named Gina, she gives her email out and she was like, hey, if you have questions, if you want to know what your next step could be, if you just, you know, just need someone to talk to, here's my email. And I thought, who does that? Like on a nationally ranked podcast, who just throws their email out all willy-nilly? Well, Gina most certainly did. And I remember opening my notes app and putting her email in thinking, I'm going to do it. Which, can I just tell you, in this whole podcasting thing, the most vulnerable part, honestly, the hardest part for me is sending emails to people I admire and not knowing if they will respond, first of all, if they do respond, if they will even have time to put an interview on their calendar. But Gina did pretty quickly. And when I threw a date out, um, she quickly responded with, in her words, we need to pick another date because I'm going on a cruise and I need to get my hair did before I leave. So we changed the date. And I'm not kidding when I say, as soon as I hit record, it was like the encouragement. I mean, forget the get to know you, who are you part. Like Gina started speaking life into my heart on that day almost immediately. I remember I had gotten home from work and I had scheduled this interview and Ryan, my husband, he he couldn't get off work in time. And so I had the two kids and I thought, how am I supposed to do this interview right now? Um, so I set them up on the couch and gave them uh, some food and probably some food because that's the best distraction. Turned on Mickey Mouse and went back in the bedroom and shut the door and tried to conduct this interview with them just on the other side of the wall. So it was touch and go. Gina was so patient with me. But can I just tell you that this episode, it is, I tried to think, okay, what do we name it? And I couldn't think of just one name for it because it covers so many topics. And really, it's this conversation is just for anyone who, who tries hard to prove themselves. It's for anyone who steps toward what God has called them to or wants to step toward what God has called them to or for anyone who leads or will lead in the future. It's for anyone who wants to empower and come along beside those behind you or even next to you. 
Here's No One Told Me with Gina McLean. How in the world did you do it? Because I'm over here. I mean, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And yeah. I've, I work full time just because I, I love mm-hmm. what I do. It's not because I necessarily have to. I just genuinely right. love what I get to do. And if I'm not feeling guilty about it one day, then I'm thinking these kids are going to be real messed up or we're messing them up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I'm going to figure out the, the key to it all. And I still have not figured out the key to it all. <laughs> I need you to surrender that uh, because that ain't, that's never going to happen. You uh, will not figure out the key to it all. Now, so let me just, I guess if it's any encouragement at all, how you feel is, um, I mean, I've, I felt that way most of the time. I think the hardest thing for me was picking up my daughter from daycare and she smelled like somebody else. That is like, so true. Every uh, day, every, no, yes. well, it's only two days a week right now and then a babysitter comes to the house. But regardless, they always smell like when I was rocking my yeah. two-year-old for a nap, even today, I was thinking, yeah. what was the perfume that the babysitter was wearing? Because I smell right. it right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and so there, to some degree, you feel like, am I messing them up? And the reality is no, we're yeah. not. I mean, you know, the, there's so many ways that you build relationship mm. and it doesn't necessarily um, always come in the form of uh, being the only one who cares for them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So we, I had to reconcile that, you know, pretty early on and yeah. just find that I spend most of my time surrendering it. Well, and, and I've learned, I'm learning and only within the past year that I can be mm-hmm. called to, to two things. I can be called to be a mom, but I can also yeah. be called to ministry and to do what I'm doing. And that's okay to be called to both it of really them is. and it know really that is. I can do both of them. And I yeah. hope uh, I look back and the thing that you, what gets under my skin, Gina, I had a conversation last week and someone said, um, well, you're never going to regret staying home with your kids, but you might uh-huh. regret working. And I'm like, why, you, why would you say that to me right why? now? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> that is not a helpful uh, comment yeah. at all. It just, if anything, adds a layer of guilt, mm-hmm. but also it's an, un, uh, it's an uneducated comment. Mm. You know, it, it's a very short-sighted and uneducated comment. They're watching Mickey Mouse and they're learning. They're going to know their shapes. There you go. They're going to know right. their shapes by the time my husband gets home. So I'm really doing them a favor right You're now. Crushing it right now. <laughs> well, Gina, you we went it. from zero to a hundred real quick right there. You caught me in a moment where I was like, what am I doing right now? Um, I get it. So first, Gina, let's just talk about you a little bit, kind of what you love, what you're not so much a big fan of, what your family mm-hmm. does, how you spend free time, all that good stuff. I love empowering people and I love uh, developing people. I've discovered, um, you know, really in the past few years of doing ministry that it is so much richer when I can help somebody else that I work alongside and when I can help them win, it, it is so much more fun mm. than when I'm the one that gets the win. And I, I think what, um, I regret honestly, cause I've been, I mean, I've been, I've been doing this long enough to, to, to be able to say I've done this for a long time, right? Mm. <laughs> How and, long have uh, you been in ministry? Uh, since 99. So I think September of 99. Since Will Smith was singing blockbuster hits, you've been in ministry. For real. Yeah, for real. Doesn't that just say a lot? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We're so young. I was just, I was barely out of grade school when I started in ministry. So anyway. Makes sense. Makes sense. Totally. Yeah. You do the math. But I, you know, I spent a lot of years just trying to get my own wins. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, and I know where Mm -hmm. that comes from. It comes, it comes from. It came from this deep desire and desperate need 
to validate who I am. Like I had to prove, you know, I had to prove to myself because I, I thought if I could prove to other people that I value then I might prove to myself that I have value, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and those are just deep underlying hurts that unfortunately they come out of just fallen in love with the idea of, of, uh, how do I help the person standing beside me win? Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And if that means that I need to sit down, need to eye to eye with them and just have a hard conversation about, Hey, here's, what I see, let me hold up the mirror for just a minute because not because I want you to see something ugly, but because I want to help you to see something that's holding you back, mm. you know? Yeah. And if we can just move past this, oh gosh, you're going to be so much, you know, you're, you're going to be able to go further faster mm. um, than you could, um, you know, if you never actually address it. So that's, I've fallen in love with that. Yes. And um, you know, just in the past, I'd say in the past two years, I have seen the power in believing in people like Uh, sometimes they just need and me included we just need someone that's like hey we see this in you we know you can do it and we're going to do everything we can to help you do it I mean there's just that is I didn't know that until the past couple years when some younger people have come on staff and I've gotten the opportunity to say but you can do I don't know why you're talking to me like you can't do this you can do this and it's just there's so much power in that so I love just even the way you explain it's really it. true. But tell us a little bit about your family, yeah. what you do in the free time when you're not working in ministry, all that good stuff. Oh, so I have I've been married now to my husband. We got married in, back in 1994. Again, we were babies, just little um, just infants on at the, infants. At the I mean, marriage. just barely out of diapers. Exactly. But yeah, we got married. We just celebrated our 25th. In fact, we just went off on a cruise together, which was the best gift ever getting to um, uh, just have that time. Just he and I left the kids behind. Right. Yeah. Oh, now that's the way to do it. That's why I'm trying to get on one oh. of these Disney cruises. Cause Girl, I hear they take the your kids. I hear they just take them away. They, from you. they <laughs> legit do. And you do not uh, feel an ounce of listen, guilt about it. That's you know? a boat. I will get in real quick. Every time, every time <laughs> I know we have three kids. Our oldest is 20. He is entering his Sophomore year in college, our middle child is 17. She's starting her senior year in high school, just started uh, today. And our youngest is 13, and he is finishing out uh, middle school right now, uh, just started the eighth grade. So that's our family. We're definitely in that season or that phase where we're just trying to, like everybody's moving in five different directions, and we're just trying to find moments and opportunities where we can flip each other back, you know, to the center and say, hey, remember who we are. Hey, you know? look, let's all look at each other in the eye for just a second. We all know just each other. Just for a moment. <laughs> like, I will buy you food if it needs you to sit at a table with me. You know? I promise I will give you anything you want. Just come sit down oh, for 20 minutes. It's great. It's amazing the ways that you attempt to bribe your kids to get time with them. It's a thing. It, it really is a legitimate thing. So I would say to a young parent, uh, you know, those elementary age kids, start saving now. Just set a fund aside now. <laughs> How to get my kids to, to pay food. attention. I remember when we first had Henley and someone mm. said, you know, right now you feel like you can't do any of your hobbies. Like mm. you feel like you're kind of tied to the house or tied to like just whatever is going to make her comfortable. But they said when they get older, middle school, high school, that's yeah. when you do your hobbies all together. I'm holding out hope that that's true, Gina. I really am. <laughs> It really is true. You find that those become the glue that kind of draw you back together, you know, as we're older. At the same time, we love the fact that there are certain things that Kyle and I do that the kids would say, no, I'm out. And, yes. And, and they'll I'm leave okay you alone. That. It's great. Absolutely. So, <laughs> it's a balance. Yeah. Weird. yeah. 
It is. It is. We're enjoying the fact that date nights are easy. Mm. You know, it's not hard for us to be able to get away for a date night. What's even more entertaining is when you get to watch the other parents wrangling their toddlers. Gosh. That's even better. <laughs> so, just, I'm just saying you get a little further down it's the road close. and that's a whole new form of entertainment. It's almost you know? there. So right now you are serving over all of next gen at yes. uh, Crosspoint in Nashville, mm. right? Is that yes, where you've been? That's so, correct. Gina, tell us a little bit what the road looked like to get you where you are now. Yeah, to me, it feels like the most unintentional, weirdest journey ever. I knew I was called to the ministry when I was 18 years old. I would have told you that because, because I remember Senior Sunday at my church, right? Growing up, there were stints when we would go to church, and then there were long stints when we would not. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, relatively sporadic. But by the time I reached high school, my senior year, the Lord just drew me into a very deep relationship with him. And, and he used some very pivotal people to do that. So much so that I was pretty involved in my church, even though that my family didn't necessarily attend church at the time. I was very involved. And I remember Senior Sunday when my parents came to church because they were celebrating seniors mm. um, that Sunday, standing there in front of the congregation as the senior pastor mm-hmm. is celebrating these graduating seniors. I would have told you in that moment, you know, what am I called to do? I'm called to ministry. The pathway to that was not clear. Mm. You know, who am I to think? That, that that is what God would call me to, mm-hmm. especially when it really wasn't really obvious how that would play out. So I think, you know, for me, because I couldn't see a clear pathway, then it was really difficult to start on that journey. So as a result, I went to college and pursued a, a communications degree, which mm-hmm. turned into home and home economics degree, which turned into a early childhood education degree, which finally turned <laughs> into a, would you please just get me a degree? Just like, graduate. Please. I just, just want to be out of here. Me, please. Right. <laughs> So when I finished with school, I started in international banking and that's, that was going to be my career path was very similar to ministry. I mean, it makes perfect sense, Gina. It really does. (laughs) Completely. I talked to Canadians all day long. It didn't make sense. So yeah, so we, it was when my, my oldest son was born and I just through different circumstances ended up resigning from my position and staying home with him. And I was super bored in the first four months because he was the easiest child on the planet to take care of. You say that uh, like it's a bad thing, Gina. I mean, it was, well, (laughs) it was, it was very deceptive. I'll tell you that much. It was very deceptive because we nearly broke our arms, patting ourselves on the back uh, of what great parents we We were. We are so good at this. this Docile little kids for real. We were talking about, we need to write a book, you know, like the world needs to know what we know. It's people need to know how to do this because we're walking through Walmart. We're watching parents parent and we're like, y'all no, you need to watch. And then God gave us Josie. And, and I'm guessing it wasn't us. the same. It wasn't the same. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. This young lady, no. This, this young lady is going to rule a small country one day. I mean, it's just. <laughs> and you knew that from birth. She, is, she made that very from clear. From <laughs> birth. She is powerful. She is powerful. In her world, a no is a temporary holding place for the yes she will eventually get. I love that. She it just sounds like you've said that enough. before, Gina. It really does. Uh, it sounds does like it, you have had yeah. to define her before. <laughs> you, you don't. Oh, man, she's amazing. She's amazing. And she is 17 and she is every bit as powerful at 17 as she was um, as an infant. I love that so um, much. That is so great. So I was, you know, I decided that I needed to work, you know, four months into being a brand new mom. And at the time we were part of we were attending Life Church in Oklahoma City. But at the time, 
we were like 200 people in attendance in a small little bicycle shop and that they had renovated. And we were those people that attended and like we came in late and snuck out early and, you know, <laughs> the ones that were always to trying volunteer. to figure out how do we get them here oh, on time? How do we absolutely. make them stay till the end? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's how do we get them to engage? That was us. Yes. Anyone. Um, next steps. No, you're gone before we tell you what totally. they are. Great. See you next week. Ex- <laughs> exactly. That was us. When we moved into our first new building that we had built, I just started working part-time in their Mother's Day Out program. So everything kind of started from there. Eventually, I was directing the, the ministry. And then from there, moved into a, leading the discipleship ministry that they had at the time for children's. So it, I felt like I kind of slipped into the back door when it came to ministry. Yeah, I never intended to do, even though I knew at 18, I was called a ministry. I never intended for it to be children's ministry. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, me either. And so when I Please, I hope right, God hears right. my cry. Please hear my oh cry, my Lord. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why? You know, but I was five years into the journey of, of ministry when I found myself leading children's ministry at the largest campus that Life Church had. And that's when it was I, that's when I thought, oh, my gosh, this is legit. Like, mm-hmm. this is real. This is no longer just kind of a part time thing that I do because. Because I enjoy doing it, and, and let's be real, part time is is a funny joke in well, especially ministry. in ministry. Exactly, that's yeah. the thing. In ministry, part time is just we talk about, we laugh about it all the time. That ministry just mm-hmm. it doesn't stop, and so nope. and you a lot of times if you're called to it, you don't necessarily want it to stop either. I mean, you're just like, oh, sure. we need that or that. Let's jump in. Let's do it. So yeah, yeah, you're you just make your plate bigger to fit more stuff in. I mean, that yeah. just, I stepped off of staff at Life Church in November 2009. Didn't really know what was next, just knew that for whatever reason, God had shifted our hearts. And I've seen too many people hang on too long. And I just never wanted to be that person, right? I just remember Kyle and I sitting down one one day and I just told him, I never want to be that person that is there longer than I'm supposed to be. I want to be somebody who can put my money where my mouth is and say, when it's time to leave, it's time to leave, even if I don't know where the next step is. So, you know, crazy, crazy, because we go from two incomes to one. I mean, that was a very practical mm-hmm. challenge that we had to face, but we just knew we are not supposed to be leading in this capacity any longer. Mm. So I was on my role, and that's when God brought um, this church in Knoxville, Tennessee, into the picture. That's and a big it was move. actually Oklahoma. Oh, girl, yes. To Knoxville. I mean, that's big time. Yeah. <laughs> It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, it's a big, it's it's a big step up geographically. I will say myself. (laughs) Moving to East Tennessee. Oh, I learned that. I learned that. Best decision you could have made, but I bet it was a big change. But when you all decided to make this move, how old were your kids? They were 10, seven and four. Gosh. So that was a big step. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure this kind of plays into you learning and figuring out what you were good at and what you oh. love to do. What did that yeah. look like? I mean, how did you know, hey, this is right. This is something that is good for us to do. How did that all play uh, in together? I wish that I could say that that came in, that they, there was clarity around that really, really quick, quickly, but there really wasn't. It was a risk. When we visited Knoxville for the first time, the big question was, God, are you calling us here? With every interaction, we just felt like this is family. This mm-hmm. is family, you mm-hmm. know? And so that was really what drew us to Knoxville was that sense that this was family. This was family. The other piece was the person who was basically hiring for the position that I was being um, invited into. 
you know, he just was such a dynamic leader. I don't remember the first conversation I had with him. I thought if, if I ever had the chance to work for him, I would learn so much mm-hmm. as a leader. I think were the two things that really allowed us to, to maybe l- lower the guard a little bit and consider and say, gosh, would we really do this? Would we really follow God and, and move across the country? You know, what felt like across the country to us, yeah. moving away from family and community and all those things. So we, Decided, yeah, just to, to make the shift. I think for me, the, the bigger journey, honestly, was being okay with the fact that I moved my family across the country for this position. And mm. it, I feel like what I did it, to some degree is I took more ownership over my performance than I should have. Mm. And that got real sticky for me. Sure. Because suddenly I was in a situation where I, I was putting more pressure on myself to perform and to produce than even God was asking me to. Almost like you had to validate the decision to yeah. move. Like, I'm going to show yeah. that it was worth it for us to do this. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As you grew in these positions, I'm sure it was mm-hmm. a journey of figuring out. I know for me, when I came on staff, and I think for anyone in any field, when you initially start a job, chances are good you're not going to stay in that same position just because sure. with time and with great leadership, you learn what you're good at and you learn what you actually love to do. So what what did that look like to you? I think a lot of us want to know, how do you know what you're good at? I mean, how do you go about mm-hmm. saying, OK, hey, I'm not just good at this, but I love to do it. And also, how does that yeah. play into the bigger picture of what your calling is and is it a moment where it just clicks? Is it a process? Oh, gosh, that's a powerful question. I think it's a process, mm-hmm. but I tend to think everything's a process. Though, so but, you know, if, that if comes with time, too. I remember one of my uh, mentors, he said, mm-hmm. well, you're wanting something in a moment mm-hmm. that is yeah. going to be a process. And it was very irritating. <laughs> <laughs> you I did like not that like that answer. Oh, I really do think it is a process. The reason why is because, and I don't know if this, it's like this for everybody. I can only speak to what the journey was like for me. Mm-hmm. For me, it was definitely a process. I, there was a point at which I had to grow comfortable with actually verbalizing and saying what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I had this fear that by saying, uh, this is what I love to do. Number one, what if I'm not good at it? You know? So if I'm not good at it, then do I lack self-awareness that even though it's something I love to do, I'm not good at it. Therefore, I should not be doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's one fear in putting that out there. The other fear is never being invited into it. We don't push our way into leadership roles like it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Leading people implies that, that people want to follow you. Mm-hmm. And when we are pushing our way into leadership roles, that that is there's nothing drawing about that. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing invitational about that. Yeah. We gain people's permission to lead them. Exactly. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Where's that? Where's it? What's the source of that? Where's that coming from? And mm-hmm. yeah, is it, is it because I want people to to look at me? It reached a point where I had to say, I love to do this, not because I want the attention of others, but because this is like oxygen for me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to not do this. Something inside of me dies over mm-hmm. time. And so to do it means that something inside of me comes alive even more. I need to be able to pursue this. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still this fear on the other side that, okay, what if in the process of stepping into opportunities, what if I'm not very good? The last person I want to be is that guy on American Idol, right? That goes in for 
Yeah. And Simon you're so Cowell sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're looking at you. The judges are looking at you like, did somebody not love you enough to tell you that <laughs> you can't who, sing? Who told you you should do this? Because we need to talk right. with them more than we need to talk with you. Yes, I'm with you. And so I didn't want to be that person. It's a risk that you have to take. Mm. you know, well, at the end of the day. You know, Gina, that's such a great point when you said, you know, Mm. it's a motive thing. If I don't do this, something Mm -hmm. dies inside of me. But when I do Mm. it, that means the opposite is true, that something lives. And I think that's a simple question you could just ask yourself when you when you find yourself craving that next step or that promotion or whatever is, okay, do I want this because it feeds my soul and it makes me feel like something's growing in me or do I just want this because I think it's going to make me look good. Right. And, you know, that leads me to kind of our next topic, which do you feel like your calling will shift with time? I mean, mm. some, you know, you, you hear different takes on it all the time. Like once you know your purpose, that is your one and only purpose for life. Mm. But I've read several things that say your calling shifts with your season and it can change and that's okay. So mm-hmm. what have you seen in your experience with that? I think it, I'm, I'm short answer is yes. I think it does shift over mm-hmm. time, but I think it's because experience allows you new vantage points over time. I had a, an amazing stint leading in children's ministry. And honestly, I didn't transition into a different role and out of, of just leading children's ministry. I didn't do that because I had figured everything out. And there really was no way for me to grow beyond where I was leading children's ministry. That's not true. I could remain, I could have remained in that role for another decade and still have so much more to learn as mm-hmm. it relates to leading people and loving people, you know, but there reached a point where I know that something inside of me has more to contribute and to have a voice maybe in student ministry. And so I want to have this opportunity to be able to influence ministry and to align ministry leaders from children's ministry all the way through student ministry and even into college, you know, when God opened the door for me to be able to explore a role that would allow me to have that voice, I think there are times when God calls you to remain mm-hmm. um, in a role, even when all the doors around you just te- seem to, to remain shut. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think there are times when he calls you towards long obedience in the same direction. You know? Yes, I know exactly. Um, but, yes. So I think there's a time when he calls you to do that. And then I think there's time when he says, I'm opening a door here and I'm inviting you to walk through it, mm-hmm. you know? And so for you to not walk through a door he's opened is equally as disobedient hmm. as you walking, pushing a door open that he's not opening. Mm-hmm. I know that just sounds so simplistic. And yet the, the funny thing is, it's the hardest thing in the world to do, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's, you know, it's another part of that process when you want mm-hmm. the moment but it's not going to be a moment. It's the process yeah. of yeah. figuring it out and discovering it. It's not going to happen in a day, in one prayer, in one quiet time. It's just not going it's to work that not, way. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's that lamp at your feet. It's that one step. It's that commitment to not growing weary. It's trusting that he is giving you the strength that you need to take the next step, even if the next step feels like it, it requires every effort that you've got. Mm. I think we, we end up um, telling ourselves a story that can be more defeating than anything. And yet at the same time, God, this is not my work. This is yours. Mm-hmm. Give me today what I need. Mm. And if we can just faithfully feed off today what he has for us, if we can faithfully watch for today what he wants, what he's inviting us to engage in, 
rather than trying to solve the puzzle for tomorrow, that's where I get myself in trouble yeah. is I'm always trying to figure out the puzzle. And he's just like, I'm not asking you to figure the puzzle out. I've got the puzzle. Mm. I just need, need you to take this one step. Mm-hmm. Just that one step. That's not mm-hmm. everything doesn't have to be figured out. And that's one of the hardest pills to swallow is the one step yeah. of, but I want to know, like, at least give me three steps, you know, like I, <laughs> just, I feel myself praying that even like, yeah. uh, God, you know, I, I love that, you know, I'm, I'm trusting you and that's great, but just like, give me five steps ahead. Like, where am I going to end up? Because this is getting a little frustrating. And I love what you just said, that sometimes you just need the lamp at your feet for the one. And that's enough. And that's okay. But are there, in these positions, um, what are some fair or some common markers to look for as you grow? I mean, to know that you're still growing. You're still um, another way to say it is how can we expect leadership roles to change as we grow in a position? I've had incredible leadership yeah. over me who have taken the time to help me figure out, hey, you're good at this. Let's position you to do it. And I've been able to grow through that. So you've worked with a lot of young leaders. And yeah. how do you look for that? And how can we kind of expect those roles to change as we are growing in any given position? Well, one If you've been in your role, in your position for more than a year, the question that I would want to ask myself is, what am I doing well and what am I not doing well? Mm -hmm. Right. Who can I go to who's going to give me good feedback around what am I doing well and what am I not doing Mm -hmm. well? Mm -hmm. Is there clarity around that? If you can't look behind you and, and have a very clear picture as to who is following you. When you can look behind you and and you have people who are following you that you can point to and say, I can learn from these people, that's where you've got a really great iron sharpens iron kind of of Mm -hmm. scenario. Mm -hmm. If you were to look behind you, I think what would just crush me right now is if I were to stop for a moment, look behind me and ask me who is following me and who I had in my wake are a bunch of Eeyores, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. people who just don't have a very positive perspective on things. People who find every problem but have no solution. Mm. People who it's it's generally the sky is falling, you know, so chicken littles. If that is who is in my wake, then what I'm learning right now is this is who I attract. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. what is it about me that is attracting this type of crowd? Mm. Because, again, if I'm leading people and I'm leading people well, then I am basically what I'm saying is I'm saying to them what what Paul said to uh, those whom he discipled follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reproducing myself and other people. And if what I'm reproducing is negative, woe is me, people who can't find the solution side of a problem, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, if that's who I'm replicating, oh gosh, that would crush it, me. I was going to say, yeah. it should be soul crushing. I mean, I'm sitting here yeah. thinking through it in my head and just like it should absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's a great measurement of, hey, I'm doing this well or I'm not. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think in your in your 20s, and, and I can say this because I'm not in my 20s anymore, but I think mm-hmm. in your early, mid-20s when you're trying to figure it all out, it's very hard to admit that you're not good at something or that mm-hmm. maybe yeah. you're not the most gifted person to be doing it. That used to be so hard for me to, hard to say because I wanted to, to prove that I could do yeah. all of it. And then some other people came on staff behind me or I met other mm-hmm. people and I thought, they are way better at this than me. And that's okay. Like that's, yeah, that's a good thing because it means it's really good that it's yeah. going to grow and it's going to get better and it's going to go further than I could take it. It's just so hard, especially when you just want to show that you are capable and bring something to the table to say, know. you know what, you maybe, 
Maybe I'm not the one that needs to bring this to the table. I wanted to just bring that full circle because that is such a valid point. I think that if you can stop and recognize the type of people you are producing and attracting, right, that's going to tell you whether or not you're ready for more leadership responsibility. Hmm. Because, again, we go back to the original, what's the definition of leading? It's moving people from where they are to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can't move people well, then you can't in turn lead well, mm-hmm. you know? So if those in your wake are not people that you would want to reproduce, you've got to ask yourself some pretty hard questions around mm-hmm. that. And I think it's for the very point that you just made about, what did you just say, Kelly? It was so good. It's okay if you're not the best person to do it. Like, yes. Just because you're not the one to bring it to the yes, table. Yes, thank you. It is the most impossible thing to do is empower other people to, to walk in their giftedness. If you insist that you've got to be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you insist that you have to be the source of all the great ideas and you've got to be mm. the source of all the great projects and, yeah. and production. If that has to be you, you know, then you can't empower others and you can't help to lift them into their gifting. But once mm. you get it, at least from my experience, there is a relief in it of, Hey, That's true. It's, good. it's not just me. Like I am right. not the only one that has to bring an idea. I'm not the only one that has to see that to completion. I'm not the only one that has to make sure that graphic is good. You know, I mean, it's, it's true. It is such you a release pressure off of you. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, a phrase I hear a lot is leading from the shadows, but how do you lead well when you're not necessarily the one in charge? Mm, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Staying curious mm. is critically important and filling the gap with trust is critical. Those two things are, are critically important to leading well when you're not the one in charge. I know for a long time I had to, I had to step back and I had to recognize that there's a reason why I'm not in charge. There's a reason why, reason why I am where I am. Mm. And so that means that my job is to hold this person's arms up. And so I have to figure out how do I hold their arms up well? So what direction do they sense we're supposed to be moving? And what's my best contribution towards that? Mm. You know, mm. and so I had to be intentional about making sure that I knew the answer to those two questions so that I could lead well from the chair that I was sitting in, mm. you know, and it required, I learned how to be very honest for me to be a yes man um, in that role, because I still sit in that chair, right? I lead from the shadows now. Mm-hmm. And so it is my job to know um, what is my leader most passionate about? What direction does he believe that we should be moving? And what's my best contribution to that? Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I'm consistently going back to him and I'm asking very simple questions. Tell me how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I'm doing that you need me to stop doing? Is there anything that I'm doing that you need me to keep doing? You know, is there anything that I'm doing that you need me um, to just turn up on on speed dial? What do you need me Mm -hmm. to do? So I have to keep those lines of communication open with him. And then in those moments when he does not communicate with me to the degree that I think that he should, in those moments where he maybe doesn't have my back and is leading through a circumstance in a way that I think that he should, then it's my job to trust him Mm. and to believe the best, to know that he didn't wake up this morning and say, gosh, how can I make sure that I undermine Gina today? Mm. That's never Mm -hmm. his goal, you know? Mm -hmm. And then where I feel trust slipping, it's my job to pursue clarity at all costs Mm. and to sit down with him and privately ask, tell me where this happened. Help me understand how this happened and what I could have done to avoid this happening. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, Gina, that's, that's so good for not even just, you know, with a supervisor or the leader that you're following, but in most of your relationships of not necessarily filling the gap with suspicion. And, you know, you said, did he wake up thinking I'm going to undermine Gina today? No, probably not. It's just how we choose to think about it. And then pursuing clarity and communication at all costs. I just, there's so much value in that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't trust leadership, that's step one. Do you trust? who you're following. Because if you do, it's a lot easier to fill those gaps and it's a lot easier to to rest in the unknown because you know they're doing their very best. It's Um, really true. And I love just the pursuing clear communication. It's just such a big piece that seems like it should be obvious, but sometimes it's just not. I I have this leadership lesson um, kind of brewing up in me right now. It came from random, random places. And part of it, honestly, was sitting in our elementary experience this last weekend. I'm sitting at one of the campuses and I'm in the elementary experience and I'm watching the, the teaching and we're talking about obedience and going back into Genesis 1 and how God gave one command to Adam and Eve and they stepped out outside of that command. And just I had this moment of clarity when I realized we've always had the choice of eating from the, the fruit of tree of, of life, which is grace and mercy, or eating the, from the fruit of the uh, tree of uh, knowledge and evil, which is uh, justice and judgment. Hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with justice and judgment, except that we were never designed to consume that huh. food. We were designed mm-hmm. to consume the fruit of grace and mercy, mm-hmm. you know. And so when we do that in these situations where doubt creeps in and there's this gap and we're tempted to fill it with a story that is not entirely accurate, right? Mm-hmm. When we choose to not ask questions and when we choose to not trust in that moment, that's when we're choosing to move over to this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. of, of eating from this fruit of justice and judgment, you know? Yeah. And, oh, and yes. that's food that God would say, I never meant for that to sustain you because mm. it will so not bring good. life. Yes. You got you to pull that rest of it out of your heart. I'll keep, and get it I'll down keep on writing that one, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is a little bit of a curveball question, but uh, the goal of this podcast is to look back on seasons and help those behind us walk through those same seasons because we've been there, we've experienced it. What do you wish someone would have told you about all these different seasons of life, the, the ones that you have walked through? Is there one like summary statement that you're like, I wish I would have known this, but I want the people behind me to know it? I, you know what? I would go back to a book that I had the opportunity to write with Jessica Beeler mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Jessica opens up the book with this really amazing story about a U.S. gold medalist who she medaled in women's wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that she was asked in an interview after she won the gold medal, the interviewer asked her, when you stepped into that competition, what was going through your head? And she said, her quote was, uh, Christ is in me and I am enough. Christ mm. is in me and I am enough. That's where I would land. Mm. Mm. I wish, I wish that I could dial back 20 years ago. And I wish that just like she stepped into that ring in that competition, I wish I'd stepped into ministry 20 years ago with standing on that one phrase, Christ mm-hmm. is in me and I am enough. Mm. Because I think I would have saved myself a ton of of weariness and mm-hmm. exhaustion and mm-hmm. worry and stress. And honestly, those around me that I just wore out because I was so busy trying to prove mm-hmm. that I had value, so busy trying to prove that I could be successful. Mm-hmm. I, it didn't just take its toll on me. It took its toll on those around me, particularly yes. my family, mm-hmm. you know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Gina, I heard Christine Kane at a conference just several months ago. She came out and just like only like she can. She shut her Bible and was like, you know what? I got something else I want to tell you all. And she, she started talking about how we're all fighting for a seat at the table that we already have. And she mm-hmm. said, we are going to be seated at God's table. If you're following Jesus, you have already mm-hmm. secured that seat. You're already at the highest you can be. And That's we good. need to stop thinking so much about climbing and about getting where we want to be and realize we are already at the top. And it's just so true to exactly what you're saying is if we can realize that earlier, and I'm speaking to myself, it, it'll make the process a little, it's going to make it a little yep. easier to navigate. But we finish up every episode with one question. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a fun question, but what are you so happy that someone did tell you about? What are you just like super into right now? So a friend of mine about a year ago, she bought me a Netflix card, right? For like 30 days of Netflix. Gina, um, did you just say this was a year ago? It was a year ago. Oh, yes, help I, me, know. I know. I know. Be grateful with me. Come on. <laughs> we, we, I know. Oh, what I were know. you doing till I'm then? Ashamed. Were you I'm just, ashamed. were you still looking for the blockbuster up till I then? Was, or? No. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. We just, I mean, pretty much if we didn't watch a movie on Amazon, then we were on cable and, and we just didn't watch a lot of TV to begin with. Come on so, over here to the streaming <laughs> side of things, Gina. Come Girl, on. Yes. Welcome. Oh, Get over here. Get on over I've here. I've seen the light. Okay. I'm there. <laughs> I've been saved. I've been redeemed. And it's been amazing. I love that. So, so what have you been watching? Yes. What you, with your one year or 30 day subscription, she, what did you watch? It was, she gave me a whole binge night kit, right? That's so awesome. Popcorn, Netflix card. Uh, yeah. I would so, say that's a great uh, gift, but I literally know um, not one person who doesn't have Netflix, so I can't do that as a gift. Kudos to oh, her. Man, that was smart. Was best. So, yeah, she said, you have to watch. She said, you have to watch season one of Madam Secretary. Um, oh, bold choice. Because apparently I remind her of the, oh. of Madam Secretary. And so we started watching that. We've not. So we just finished the last episode of the fifth season last night. And were you a little sad? We're, very. We're yes. mourning the fact that it's. I know. It's like over. It's Whenever you finish it, yeah. like a show that has lots of seasons, you're like, well, what am I? What am I supposed to do now? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we gonna? Oh, how no. am I gonna unwind? Like, what's the deal? But you're just no. you are just getting into it. You got all sorts of yeah, options. Yeah, we just got Tina. started. <laughs> we just got started. <laughs> that is the best. I think that might be one of my favorite answers to that question I have gotten so far. <laughs> but Gina, thank you so much for responding to a random email that was like, "Hey, oh. will you jump on a podcast with me?" Um, it's such an honor. Thanks for inviting me. Has I'm just so been grateful. an extreme encouragement. I know to me. And I know to a lot of the people who are listening, they're going to take a lot away from this. You're doing doing great stuff, Gina, and I'm thankful for you. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Thank you. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review or... You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C.E. Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.